Chapter 2, we saw that the king, the king blessed and, and reached out. He was able to receive blessings from the king. Chapter 3, he got the workers together, and they began working on the wall. Chapter 4, outside opposition. Chapter 5, internal conflict. Last time together, chapter 6, he was dealing with distractions. They had completed the wall, but they were facing distractions. So we're halfway through the book of Nehemiah, roughly. And we see that the wall is done, but Nehemiah knows he's not done with what God is desiring to do in him and through him. So the first half is really about kind of getting that wall done and getting the, uh, the gates done. And now this last half is going to be, what are some of the things internally or spiritually, or what is God going to do in and through these people, not just in and about the wall? So chapter 7, a little bit of a transitional chapter of sorts. And you might say that it encourages us with this, that in order to count for God, we must commit to the things that matter to God. So that's what we're looking at today. Things that matter to God. Now, understand this is not an all-inclusive and an exhaustive list, but in chapter 7, we're going to see here's a handful of things. This transitional period, the wall's done, but God's wanting still to do some things in them and through the people. What are some things that matter to God? First of all, as we kick off chapter 7, what we see is this. Character matters to God. Character matters. Nehemiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now when the wall had been built, and I had set up the doors, and the gatekeepers and singers, Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they're standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their guard posts, some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few. No houses had been built. Right off the bat, what we see is that character matters to God. Godly character is important. Now, Nehemiah knew he, he was needing to delegate some of these uh, responsibilities to some key individuals. How many of you know administrative capabilities and skills are good? But a main requirement is what? Character. Godly character. I heard this quote probably back even when I was in high school or middle school, and it's, it's stuck with me for, well, decades. I am that old. No comments, girlies. I heard this quote, character is who you are in the dark. It's who you are when no one is watching. How many of you know? Character, godly character, is important. Now, we see that Nehemiah selects two men, one of which, the first one, is probably his brother. He's mentioned in chapter 1, verse 2. He's one of the men that came to share with Nehemiah about the status of the gates and about the wall. He had 
the same burden. He's been with him throughout this entire process. He's dependable. He's loyal. And then the second individual, Hananiah, said he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than most. He's talking about the character. Not just do they have the skills or qualities or administrative tasks, but he was looking at the character. And he gives instructions about doors and gates and how you stand guard. But chapter 7 encourages us right off the bat that as we are not just doing stuff for God and getting the wall done, who are we in the sight of God? Do we have a godly character that is being developed in us? And what we see here, it says that he is faithful and he fears God. You and I are to be found faithful. Faithfulness trustworthy men and women of integrity, faithful even in the little things. How many of you see sometimes, uh, whether it's at work or whether it's at school or at the home or around the community, if there's something little, if it's something that maybe is not as visible, sometimes it gets kind of overlooked. Ah, nobody will know if that's done or not. Many times that's, that's the common concept in many aspects of workers. If you've been a worker or you've overseen workers or you've worked with other workers, you know that that can be the case. I'll do what I need to when someone's looking at me. When the boss is staring over my shoulder, I'll do everything by the book. But when they leave, how many times don't we see shortcuts? Right? Not as much faithfulness sometimes in the little things and what we're seeing here nehemiah is saying listen here's a couple of guys i'm selecting for some key areas because of character yes skill set and competence and being able capability of doing things is important but he says faithfulness and fear of god fear not meaning horror and fright we we've gone through october trick-or-treat and trunk-or-treat and, and a lot of different scary movies. This is not about having a horrified reaction to God. That's not the fear of God. But it's a healthy awe and reverence and respect for God. Faithfulness to God. Fear of God. He's saying character is important. It's not just competence. Many times in the workplace, or sometimes you look at politics, or you look at sports, many times when it comes to coaches, it's really all about competence. It's all about wins and losses. It's all about dollar signs on a sheet. Who can do that? If you can do that, even though your character is a little suspect, many times in the world, they just keep getting promoted and passed on and passed on. Until what happens? Until there's too many losses. Until there's too many losses in games or too many losses on the financial sheet. And then what's being said? We just feel it's time for a fresh start. What they're saying is, we lost too many games. We don't care how upstanding of an individual they are if they were losing. We don't care how upstanding of an individual they are if they're losing dollars. Many times in the world, it's about competence and it's about skill and character often comes lagging along behind. 
What we're seeing in Nehemiah chapter 7 is that character is super important to God. He's giving instructions to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is selecting individuals to oversee. Nehemiah is not looking at dollar signs, wins or losses, status. He's saying, here are some faithful people who fear God, and they're going to be able to succeed in the place where we put them. God's not looking at you and I at our dollar signs and about wins and losses. He desires faithfulness and character in our lives. Are we faithful to the call? Sometimes we're so concerned with how other people see us. Well, how does God see you? How does God see me? Is it about wins and losses? It's about faithfulness. The fear of, the honoring of, and the respect for God. You've heard the phrase, living for an audience of one. Living for God is having that heart and that desire to live a godly character. Yes, we want to be skillful in what we do. We don't want to be sloppy. But make sure that the character is there. Right off the bat, he's saying, here's some individuals. God's nudging me. We're going to place these people in some key areas. Why? Because of godly character. And this transitional chapter, things that matter to God, number one, character matters. Number two, sensitivity to God matters. Sensitivity to God matters. The very first part of verse 5 says this, Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. We'll stop there. New Living Translation puts it this way, So my God gave me the idea. He was sensitive to the voice of God. Sensitivity to God matters. Nehemiah is saying, this wasn't something I came up with. God dropped it in my heart. I've been spending time with God. I've been praying with God. I've been listening to God. And God dropped this idea in my heart. He was sensitive to God. Listen, it's important to get into God's word and to read God's word. But more than reading God's word, are we allowing God to speak to us through it that we can receive from God's word? Listen, praying is important, but it's more than just praying to God. How about hearing from God? Because it can be pretty easy to check things off a box to say, I read a chapter, or I prayed to begin the day, or I prayed for a meal, or I prayed before the end of the day, and we just, we kind of have a one-way communication with God. I think God desires a two-way communication. It's not just that I read a chapter and close the Bible, But God, I want to be sensitive to you, sensitive to your voice, sensitive to your word. What do you have for me today? As I read this scripture, it might be in a devotional, it might be in a chapter or a series of chapters in reading through the Bible in a year. But God, what do you have for me today? No doubt, at some point, you've been reading God's word, and many people say what? It's like the words jumped off the page. You ever experienced that? Because you're, you're not just reading to say, I checked a box off. You were open to and sensitive to, and God spoke to you through that particular verse. And maybe it's, it's the verse that you needed because it was a verse of comfort or peace or encouragement. 
Or maybe it's what you needed because it was giving vision and guidance and direction. Or maybe it was a little bit of a nudge that says, hmm, this needs to change in you. So it's not just I read and I said, okay, God, I've, I've read your word today, but I want to receive from you two-way conversation. Prayer time. Hopefully, we can pray throughout the day. But more than, God, thank you for the day. More than, God, thank you for the food. More than, at the end of the night, thank you for this day. More than, let me pray for a couple of other people. Let me pray for a handful of needs. It's, God, help me to be sensitive to you. What are you saying? What are you speaking to me? What are you desiring me to become? What are some things that you would impress upon my heart? People maybe to speak to or to pray for, to connect to sensitivity to God. Nehemiah is saying, God put it in my heart. Nehemiah is saying, God gave me the idea. It's not just that I'm talking to God, I'm hearing from God. How often do we stop? How often do we pause? How often do we wait? And how often do we listen for God? It can be a challenge. Because we don't do silence really well. If I pause more than a few seconds, gets a little nervous. If I start looking around, is he, is he losing his place? Does he know where he's going? Oh, what next? What next? Keep talking. Keep talking. Sometimes that's what, what happens to us and God. You know, we read, we read, we read, we read. We shut the Bible and we're good. When it comes time to pray, we talk and we talk. And, but we can, if we're being honest, we can be pretty good talkers. We can talk to God about a lot of stuff. Maybe we've got a really big prayer list. God, I got a bunch of needs. I got a bunch of wants. Help me, God. But maybe we don't always do the best at listening. Nehemiah is encouraging you and I that sensitivity to God matters. Are we doing all the talking? Or are we going to do some listening to say, God, I want to hear what you've got to say to me? We've seen all the way through Nehemiah so far, he was a man of prayer, right? He was praying, he was praying, he was seeking, he was fasting. And here, it's just kind of matter of fact, hey, God dropped it in my heart. God placed it in my heart. God gave me the idea. He's saying, listen, it's not just that character matters, but sensitivity to God matters. It's important. Thirdly, being a part of God's family matters. So we finish verse 5 after he said, God had put this idea in my heart. He says, I found the genealogical record of those who had first returned to Judah. Now you'll see in Nehemiah chapter 7 here, this genealogy, it's very similar to Ezra chapter 2 from years previous. Families, these next 60-some verses, families are listed by ancestor, by town. Uh, they mention priests and Levites, temple servants, descendants of Solomon's servants. For your sake and for my tongue's sake, we'll skip those 60-some verses, but you can read it over. The genealogy of all these people, Nehemiah says, God's what put this into my heart. It was his idea. But I want to point your attention, drop down towards the end, verse 61, in these last verses following that. It says, Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Mela, Tel Harsha, Kerub, Adon, and Immer. 
However, they could not prove that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, and Nakoda, a total of 642 people. Verse 63, three families of priests, Hobiah, Hakaz, Barzillai, also returned. This Barzillai had married a woman who is a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he'd taken her family name. Verse 64, they searched for their names in the genealogical records, but they were not found, so they were disqualified for serving as priests. And it brings the question to mind, and maybe you've heard it phrased this way and, and other uh, messages, other challenges. It's what came to mind as I was reading this chapter. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? That's a, a good question to make you think about it. Basically, what Nehemiah is doing, he's wanting to make sure all these individuals were people who were a part of the family of God, not just people who kind of lived around people who were part of the family of God. It's a list of individuals who'd returned about 100 years earlier, wanting to make sure these are the Jewish families, these are the families who had that heart and that relationship with God, that God's people were the citizens here of Jerusalem. It's important for the strength and stability and security of that city. Imposters could come really from within and undermine the defenses. Unfortunately, that's what had taken place many times. Israel allowed other nations to come in or marry, intermarry, and all of these relationships, all of these foreign gods would be served. And it would dilute their spiritual sensitivity to God. They would compromise their beliefs. And, and we see that in a lot of the Old Testament books, right? They would turn after the people of this land and turn after the God of this land and follow this God, Baal and Chemosh and all of these foreign gods. Nehemiah is saying, listen, we've got to make sure the people that are here, and particularly the people who are going to be the priests and spiritual leaders, they've got a relationship with God. They are part of the family of God. It's not about a racial or an ethnic thing. It's about a spiritual thing. Spiritual purity. These families serving as priests, leading everybody else in the spiritual things, we want to make sure that there's some record that that's who they are. Are you and I part of the family of God? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 puts it this way, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Listen, I hope you've got a Bible. I'm glad that you've come here today. I'm glad that you're watching online. I'm glad that you're listening online. But doing those things does not make you a Christian does not make you a part of the family of God. I trust that maybe you've had a Christian upbringing. Many of you have. You've had a Christian mom or dad or both, or a Christian grandma or grandpa or both, and that is awesome if you've got that heritage. But because mom or dad was a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Simply because grandma or grandpa went to church doesn't mean you've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So what, what matters, what's important, is making sure we are a part of God's family. That I personally, even though I grew up in a godly home, I'm privileged. Both my mom and my dad were Christians. Family were Christians. Dad was a pastor for 40 plus years before he passed. That does not automatically make me a Christian. I've got to come to that place where I say, God, I recognize I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I put my faith and trust. I believe in you. I confess my sins. Forgive me. I've got to do that at some point in my life and have that relationship with God. Not just to say, well, mom and dad was a Christian. I mean, dad was a pastor. That's, that's good for a whole bunch of years of doing what I want. I've got to have a personal relationship with God. And that's what Nehemiah is looking at here. Making sure that you and I, we are a part of the family of God. Don't just play a part be a part. It can be pretty easy to just kind of act and fit in. Hey, I'm going to go to church. Well, going to church is good. I'll even sing along with some of the songs. Hey, singing is good. I'll take part in some of the churchy kind of things. I'll have a Bible. I might even open it up now and then. If not, I'll at least carry it around. Those can be all good things. But it's not what saves and cleanses and forgives us of sin. Nehemiah is saying, what's important? Make sure that you're a part of the family of God. These individuals were not able to serve as priests. There was no record of who they were in God. The question, has your life demonstrated a change? When people look at you, if you were to say, boy, Show me some evidence. Show me maybe what the New Testament would talk about, our fruit. Does it seem to indicate that something has happened, something has changed in our life? We're no longer living how we used to live before we gave our life to Christ. We're living different. God has changed. True faith in God results in obedience. So Nehemiah is saying here in chapter 7, what? What are some things that matter? Character matters. Sensitivity to God matters. Being part of God's family matters. Final challenge. The last several verses of a long chapter, I believe Nehemiah encourages us with this. A heart of generosity matters. Verse 70, it says, Some of the family leaders gave gifts for the work. The governor, which is Nehemiah talking about himself in third person, he gave to the treasury gold coins, gold basins, robes for the priests. Other leaders gave to the treasury gold coins, pounds of silver for the work. Verse 72, the rest of the people gave gold coins and pounds of silver robes for the priests. Now, I've read some conflicting reports in studying this passage, no doubt, depending on uh, when the commentator lived and how much the value of silver and gold was but needless to say this kind of an offering that the people were giving was in the millions this was a pretty extravagant gift as these people were giving together this was certainly more than what was considered a tithe tithe is a 10 percent. we return 10 percent of how god has blessed us this is certainly above and beyond they were giving in an offering understand they had just completed the walls 
things were not necessarily all finally set as far as homes and farms and businesses, and not everything was all fully established. But they had a heart of generosity to say, let's give towards the work of God. Sometimes our thought is, let's wait until everything is perfectly in order, and then we'll be generous towards God. How many of you had that thought sometimes when it comes about our house? Well, let's wait until everything's perfect, and then we'll do this. Then we'll buy that. Then we'll, we'll take this trip or this vacation, and you wait for everything to be perfect. How many of you know if you wait for everything to perfect, you might be waiting a whole long time? And what we see here, here is the individuals, they've returned, they've worked together, they're not necessarily fully set up, but their heart of generosity towards God, towards who he is, is they were giving faithfully and generously. And what was neat here is they were giving because they wanted to, not because they were obligated to. Nowhere does it say that Nehemiah went and said, hey, you're out unless you give X amount of dollars. There's just that heart of generosity that says, let us give towards the things of God. You see, the governor gave mentioning about Nehemiah. He was a part of the giving. It wasn't Nehemiah who said, hey, listen, God put all this stuff in my heart and here's the plan and, and we're leading and we're going. Are we still good? I just checking. It seems like I've been going a while. I just I need to cut that out. Nehemiah said, "Listen, I'm going to give as well." And we see Nehemiah gave. We see leaders give. We see people give. Everybody was taking part in the work of generosity. They were thankful for what God had done upon their hearts and upon their lives. They've seen what was taking place. Uh, the walls, the gates were, were done. Certainly not everything was completed. Not all their homes are necessarily set in order, but God was working. They were ready to give. As a leader, as a pastor, Kim and I, we're going to lead the way. Throughout the process, some of the, the challenges of our last number of years, we've led the way with some Giving or some cuts. In the midst of our uh, Ohio ministry network and some of the things taking place at Heartland, we've been challenged in, in leadership as presbyters and some others. We've given substantially to the work that literally just began a couple months ago. Gonna lead the way. We're going to feel free to continue to do that same thing here in Alger. We believe God's got great things in store. Have we had some challenges? We've relayed some of the challenges of these last few years. But have we seen some blessings? We've seen, seen God bless in, in the way of vacation Bible school. We've seen God bless in the means of chairs. We've seen God bless in some incredible ways. And so some of the, the projects that are upcoming, we're going to lead the way and be generous in that. Heart of generosity says, God, I'm thankful for what you've done for me. John 3, 16, it's one that everybody knows, but it says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. God is a loving and a caring and a generous God. He gave of his, his only son, Jesus Christ. And in response, certainly we've got an opportunity of, of giving to him towards his work, things above and beyond. 
I'm going to choose to be generous. I'm going to choose to develop that heart of generosity, whatever that might mean for our household. We're going to seek to follow through with that. But chapter 7, this transitionary chapter, he's saying, listen, make sure that you examine your character. Not just about wins and losses. Who are you on the inside? Who are you when nobody's watching? Character is important. Sensitivity to God matters. Not just that I'm spending time talking to God or reading God's word. I want to be able to listen and hear what he has to say. Being part of God's family matters. I'm a Christian that I've asked him to cleanse and to forgive and give me a brand new start. And that heart of generosity, whatever that looks like, whatever that means for you and for me, heart of generosity matters.